I want to do something. Um, I want to sing those lyrics again. And um, I just know that what I'm walking through personally right now, um, it's heavy. And uh, I just got a sense this morning uh, when I got here that there's just a heaviness on the church. There's a heaviness over the members of the church. And uh, I just want you to know that God sees where you're at. He loves you. We say it all the time. He's proud of you. He may not be proud of what you're currently doing, but he's proud of what he created you to do. Amen. So I want to sing these lyrics, and when we sing them, I really want you to sing it from your heart. And we don't even have to have all the band and stuff behind. I just want to hear the voices. So praise the name of the Lord our God. Let's sing it together. verse for today. We're going to be studying a little bit out of James, and uh, this is what it says in James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It jumps down. It says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. How many want to know the world around us can be very deceiving? It says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and immediately forgets what they look like. Everybody say the mirror. Did y'all use a mirror this morning? I hope so. Okay. A mirror. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. It is the thing that we can build our life on. We can put full trust in it. It has full authority. It has the final say. And so God, today, as we lean into what it looks like to build our life fully devoted to you, God, as we look into the mirror of ourselves, the mirror of a mentor, the mirror of the word of God in the mirror of our past, God, I pray that you would begin to reveal to us what you want us to see. Because before we can change our lives, before we can change anything in our families, change has to start with us first. And so God, I pray that you would speak to us today and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. As you find your seat, say hello to someone. Tell them they look good this morning. 
Awesome. Y'all look great. It is good to be back from vacation. Uh, we missed you guys last week, uh, Kendra and I and our kids. We went on a family vacation. And one of the most common questions you get after vacation was, what was your favorite part? Have y'all heard this yet? What was your favorite part of vacation? And mine, I have to confess to you, um, my response to that um, is the reason I'm not teaching on parenting today. Um, I was going to, but I was like, man, I may not be qualified. Uh, I, we learned what melatonin gummies are for kids. And uh, there's a significant difference between a family vacation and a vacation. Can I get an amen? Okay. Um, I did not know this until recently, but we did learn what melatonin gummies are. Don't, be, don't think I drugged my kids, okay? But what a gift from the Lord. Um, <laughs> Zane ate one of those bad boys and melted into the floor. And I was like, this is amazing. And uh, anyways, uh, while I was away, I, I was really spending some time with the Lord and asking, what do we want this next season for the church to look like? And uh, I don't know if y'all know this, uh, but there has never been a better time to grow than right now. Amen. Uh, that is individually, that is as a church, that is spiritually taking steps closer to God. I've never more than now felt more of an urgency for the body of Christ to desire to grow. I'm not talking about growing numerically. I'm talking about growing in our walk with the Lord. This is a, a motivation to change. It's a quickening in our spirit that says, I don't want to be what I was. I want to change. I, I want to improve. I want to be different. I wrestled with what to teach because this is technically week five of the family series. And I was like, man, I don't know if this really fits into the family series, but uh, I just want to let you know, I'm never going to box in to what the series is. I want to be obedient to the Spirit of God. And I do believe that today's topic is something that can bless your family because this is the reality. If you want your family to change, change has to start with who? You <laughs> and me. It has to start with ourselves. And, and we've talked about a few things in the family series. Week one, and this is all on YouTube if you want to watch it. Uh, how to build a strong marriage, and that was a lot of fun. Week two, we talked about the idea, Lord, would you please bless this home? And uh, I know that's something that we are praying as a family, and, and we taught how to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Week three, which was Mother's Day, we had a lot of fun, and um, we, we talked about Mary and Martha and the difference between doing for Jesus and being with Jesus and the importance of just spending time at the Lord's feet. Last week, you heard from uh, one of my great friends and a mentor in my life, Pastor Mark Pegley, and uh, he shared a word on how to fight fair. He did okay. I watched it online uh, from the beach, and uh, I love that man. He is a, he's an amazing man of God. And in week five this week, this is what we're going to talk about. It is the blessing of an honest evaluation. The blessing of an honest evaluation. I, I believe this message can be one of the most impactful things that happens to your family and for your life because we know that if we desire to see change, we have to be changed. We have to be changed from the inside out. Today's message, if you want a title for it, it is a honest evaluation. An honest evaluation. Tell the person next to you, say, it's time for your quarterly eval, okay? <laughs> Some of you hear that and you're like, you cringe, it brings like PTSD, maybe you have bad experiences from evals, but here's the thing is an eval can be a good thing, okay? 
when it's done correctly with good intentions, it's good that we reflect on ourselves, our past and our present. It's shocking what God can do if we really evaluate where we're at and what we're doing. I'm so thankful for mirrors. We read about the mirror of God's word today. Fun fact, I spoiled the message earlier. I gave you all four points at the beginning if you were listening to the prayer. Um, and, and this is what we're going to do. We're, t- we're going to talk about four mirrors today that I believe can change your life. Is anybody thankful for mirrors in this room? Okay. You need to be saying yes, because that you, I'm sure you looked at it this morning uh, as you got ready. If it wasn't for mirrors, we would, we would be struggling. Okay. That's what I say, struggling. It's the struggle. And uh, I know we, we probably, um, I, I didn't know the, the history of mirrors. And we talked about this several weeks ago. Uh, that before mirrors were created, the only way to see your reflection was to look into still, calm water. I don't know if you remember the message about the good shepherd that he leads us beside quiet quiet waters and and still waters and and green pastures. And and, and the, the goal is that we could see our reflection. The history of the mirror in 1835 we received the first silver face glass mirror, okay? You're getting a history lesson this morning. Um, this book, before the standard mirror, people would see their reflection in shiny objects or water, um, but there was a guy, he was a chemist, and he created this, and, um, and, and you know, shiny objects, still water, or I say one of the best ways to see your reflection is a good friend, okay? Because they're going to tell you when you're having just a bad day, okay? Um, hey, that doesn't look good on you. You're having a rough hair day. Um, you got something hanging out your nose, whatever it may be, right? A mirror. Today, we actually carry mirrors in our pocket. Did you know this? Some of you ladies in the room, you have a mirror in your purse, and it's like connected to that little thing that you hit your face with. I don't know what it is, but um, I see it happening. But your phone is a mirror. It's actually made up of multiple mirrors. It's the way that you can take pictures, and, and any photographers in the room, you know all about mirrors and an and image and how it's created and I want to ask you a a bold question this morning, okay? Are you ready for this? Who in here owned a selfie stick growing, you know, the last 10 years? Anybody? It's okay to confess and be healed. Hands are slowly going up, okay? It's okay to be honest in church. The interesting thing about a mirror is that a mirror has to tell the truth. A mirror has to tell the truth. It is impossible for a mirror to lie to you Its only job is to reflect whatever is looking into it. Interestingly enough, after gazing into a mirror long enough, we as humans, which we are broken individuals full of sin, we can fail to acknowledge the very thing that's looking back at us. Has anybody been there before? An honest evaluation, I see what is there, but maybe I don't want to change what's looking at me. This is not a message, by the way, about your body. Or identity. It may be about that if God speaks to you in that way. This is about an honest evaluation of your mind, your heart, your actions, your intentions, and ultimately your integrity in your character. This message is about an evaluation. And I believe that if we can do this right, change can happen. Amen. So we live in a world that has become experts at evaluating everybody else. But unfortunately, that same world has neglected the very power of evaluating itself. 
And I think if we're not careful, we can trip over what Matthew 7 tells us, which is in verse 5. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. So what does this mean? It means that you got stuff in your life that you need to address. Y'all nudge the person next to you and say, this is for you. And hit the person back and tell them, no, it's for you. Because we do this. We, we look at the speck in someone else's eye, but the reality is that we got a plank. It's something big in our own life. And it happens to be the very thing that is keeping us from stepping into God's best for our life. The verse continues, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will be able to see and clearly remove the speck from your brother's eye. This means that when we truly do what God says and we can evaluate our own life, this is what the cool thing about God is that he actually puts you into a place where you can help other people. Amen. You can help your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, if, if I want to truly know myself, I must first sacrifice the illusion that I already do. I'm going to say it again, just in case you missed it. If I want to truly know myself and learn about myself, I must first sacrifice the illusion that I already do. One of the biggest dangers of living for God and being a Christian is this idea that I have arrived. It's this idea that I have arrived and I've reached my destination. How many of you want to know we don't arrive until we reach heaven? Amen. And so until we get to that place, there's this very Christianese fancy word called sanctification. And this is the becoming of Christ. It's becoming more like Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I can speak for me. I need more of that in my life. That's y'all. Don't say amen to that. That was about me. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> We, we need that we have to evaluate ourselves. Many people look at the mirror, but they fail to make any changes. Today, I want to encourage you, if you could do this, every person take a step closer to the mirror to make a change this summer. You may have heard the famous theologian, I, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. I, I'm going I'm to feel real good, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make it right. I'm starting with the man in the what? The mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. If you want to make the world what? A better place. Look at yourself, not your brother or your sister or your auntie, and make a change. Hashtag Michael Jackson. Okay, don't, don't apply everything from his life, but that, that was good, okay? We, we have to look into the mirror and have an honest evaluation with ourselves, that there's four mirrors that can help you begin to truly change. You need all four of them. If you miss one, you're missing out. I want to give you the first one. The first one, if you're taking notes, I encourage that you do. The first one is the mirror of myself. The mirror of myself. Did you know that you can look into a mirror and you can see your physical reflection? And if you look long enough, you can see what's inside as well. The, the vital part about sanctification is that I'm not content with who I am and where I'm currently at, and so I'm going to take a step closer to Jesus. I'm going to become more like Christ. All of us, maybe if you're anything like me, you've had an embarrassing moment in your life where um, everybody else saw something in your life except you. Has anybody had this before? 
Uh, maybe you had something stuck in your teeth and everybody knew it, right? But you. Maybe you had something on your face or it, my, my, my guys in here, um, if you forgot to shave like a large patch of hair on your face, I don't have that problem because I don't grow much hair on my face. Uh, but maybe you missed a spot and everybody could see it, but you. What, what about not knowing that you sat in something, okay? And it was actually mud, but everybody else thought it was something else. Like, it, it takes a mirror, it takes a self-reflection, it takes somebody else to say, hey, there's something there. This is when you find out who your real friends are. You know what I'm talking about? Like the people who will pull you aside and be like, hey man, your pants are unzipped. I have spoken an entire message multiple times with my pants unzipped, and it's really embarrassing. And I get really upset with the church. Like somebody just say, hey man, zip your pants up. No, we'll, we'll pause, okay? Um, don't get too carried away. Question, when was the last time that you were brutally honest with yourself? Now, I, I want to emphasize, I didn't ask when was the last time you were brutally honest with someone else. When was the last time you, you looked in a mirror and you were brutally honest, not mean to yourself? I'm not saying beat yourself up and be mean, but what I am saying is evaluate where you're at, your job, your, your family, your spiritual life, your relationships, your character, your integrity. God encourages us to look inward. He looks at the what? The heart. Man looks at the outward appearance. God is saying, let's, let's do some digging. This is a lot less about your physical reflection, and it's more about the reflection of your heart and your, and your thoughts and, and your actions and ultimately the direction of your life. We, we get evals in the workplace, and I've given a lot of evals. I've done a lot of yearly evals, and I'm a firm believer in quarterly and, and kind of a midterm eval. And when they're done right, they provoke change. Why do evals happen? Because it is so that your boss in you, your oversight in you, you have a checkpoint that is unavoidable to where you can be honest with each other about how things are going. Have you all had this before? You've experienced this. It's an evaluation. And what happens is we, we talk about the goals that were set and, and maybe the goals that were achieved and were not achieved and, and how we can take steps to make a difference. And and sometimes this is great news. Evaluation is a good thing. It's an encouragement. But sometimes it provokes change within you. We love to grow. We love to get better. And we love to improve. But did you know that you don't need someone else every time to evaluate you? You can actually evaluate yourself. And this is what it looks like. It's actually really simple. It's not hard at all. But the hardest part about self-evaluation, you want to know what it is? It's being honest with yourself. It's one of the hardest things to do. I don't know why, but it's so hard. I personally believe self-evaluation, which ultimately leads to self-awareness. I love leadership. I love studying leadership. And I personally believe, this is my personal opinion, I believe that self-awareness is one of the best qualities someone can have. Because that means I ain't got to tell them, okay? Self-awareness and ultimately self-awareness will lead you to growth and lead you to change and lead you to sanctification, becoming more like Jesus. Lamentations 3 verse 40, it says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return. Everybody say return. Return to the Lord. I circled that. And I was like, why is that in there? Return is in there because after you examine and you test your ways, you will realize most of the time that you've wandered off a little bit. 
I know this is the case for me when I really sit down and I'm going to give you some questions to ask yourself and you start asking some questions, you realize, man, I didn't even realize I was off track a little bit. This is an example of a self-evaluation. I'm not going to cover all the questions, but I just want to provoke some thoughts within you. Number one, ask a question, how is my relationship with the Lord? This is your, your prayer life, your, your reading the word, your, your time in worship. How is my relationship with my family? This is just very simple stuff. Spouse, my kids, my, my parents, my loved ones. Number three, where am I aimed in this life? Like if you check the direction of your life, you can often see where you're going to end up just a few years down the road. Where am I aiming at? Do I need to shift direction? Number four, what has God been speaking to me? What has he been leading me to do? And finally, am I doing it? Is there any sin in my life that I am failing to address that I need to come to grips with? Am I happy with my physical and my mental health, my emotional well-being? What are some changes that I could make this week that will help me become more like Christ? And then what is something I can start doing and what is something that I can stop doing this week? This is just basic stuff, self-evaluation. I want you to write this down. You cannot change what you cannot see. It's really hard to change something that you're not aware of. There, there's some things in life that you're just not going to be able to see. The, the mirror of myself is great, point number one, but you can't just stop there because here's the reality is, y'all, we can't see everything. And if you can, props to you. We that's amazing. We need to just interview you and learn about how awesome you are in your life. This is called a blind spot. Has anybody had a blind spot in their life? This is when someone sits you down and they say, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you keep hurting everybody's feelings around you. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you know this, but you were extremely disrespectful to that person. It's like, no, I wasn't. Blind spot. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but you, man, there's some pride here, a blind spot. This happens when we're driving. Some of you, this happens when you drive all the time, and it's really scary, okay? Blind spots are areas that we cannot see that often lead to accidents. It often leads to wrecks. And here's the craziest part about a blind spot is large vehicles actually have multiple mirrors so that they can see their what? Their blind spot. And they still wreck. We were on our way back and we saw a semi-truck that crossed the median and was laid over. It had turned into a lane and hit another car, which caused it to flip. Most wrecks happen because people are unaware that something was there. Can I challenge you a little bit? Most wrecks happen in our lives because there's something there that we failed to see. And we weren't willing to really have anybody in our life that would speak to that thing. And it leads me to this next thing. What, what do we do with a blind spot? We, we need a mentor. Number three, the mirror of a mentor. Now, some of you, are, you got extremely frustrated, turned off by that. I don't need a mentor. I'm too old for a mentor. I'm too young for a, whatever the excuse may be. Behind every great leader and every great Christ follower, every great business leader, every great athlete, you name it, there is someone who has spoken into their life. Can I get an Amen. A mentor, what do they do? They challenge you to become the best version of yourself possible. This is not self-help. This is I need help. <laughs> I need someone to speak into my blind spots. Growing up, choir was not my strong suit. That's why every time I sing, I get the mic as far away from my face as possible. 
And, and I remember getting into choir in sixth and seventh grade. Don't judge me, Andrew. Um, I got into choir and everybody has a chair. Y'all know this first chair, second chair. It's usually about how gifted you are. Well, they had chairs all the way up to like 11 and 12 chairs. I didn't have a chair. And I was just thinking, maybe they ran out of chairs, you know. <laughs> and the reality was there wasn't a chair for, for a reason. They put me in art because maybe I could express myself differently, you know. <laughs> and so I started drawing, and, and I learned that uh, my family has the gift with art. And I had this art teacher. I used to think growing up, and I love drawing and painting, and I still do a lot of that. Uh, I used to think, man, I, I've kind of arrived. I don't need help. This is just a gift. This is a talent. This is an ability. But then I met Miss McCune in 10th grade. This is my, my art teacher. Um, and y'all, she was, she was crazy. Like, I mean, she was like wild. Cra- and she was the sweetest lady, but you know, like, she, she didn't play games with you. She carried this ruler around like a yardstick. You started acting up, she'd smack you with it. It's, uh, I'm, it's definitely abuse. Like, I don't know what's going on, but uh, I, I appreciated it. So anytime we were doing something we weren't supposed to, she'd smack us with this ruler, and I kind of liked it. It was awesome. I would just provoke it. You know, I'd be like talking just to get smacked upside the head. And so she would come around, and she would correct what she would see. And, and I had no idea that every time I tried to draw a line that would go from left to right, instead of drawing it left to right, I would turn my paper and she would say, Seth, you're limiting yourself. And for some of you, this isn't amusing to you, but I would grip charcoal a little bit tighter than I would the rest of the, the mediums. And she would say, Seth, your grip on the medium, it's, it's preventing you from control. It's actually causing your work to be less impressive than it could be. And so three years with her, Now I've actually been able to start a business with this ability to be artistic and see things and make things out of nothing. Why? Because I had someone speaking into my life. Someone that could see a blind spot and help me improve. She brought the best out of me. I I was a pitcher. I played a little bit of baseball. I love baseball. And I had a pitching coach that we paid. My parents, I'm so grateful for my mom and my stepdad that invested in this. And they, they paid this guy to work with me. He added velocity. To, to my fastball, which was awesome. It was like in 14 months, he added from eighth to ninth grade, it was around eight to, uh, eight to nine mile per hour on my fastball. Helped me develop a breaking pitch. Helped me develop hitting spots. Helped me develop composure on the mound. He helped me realize that even when I'm having a bad inning, I don't need to let everybody else know that I'm having a bad day. I, I have to be composed. He helped me learn that the separation of my glove and the timing of my hips and the direction of my shoulders, it all means something. What did he do? He helped me see things that I couldn't see. He he had a 10,000-foot view of what I was doing, and these people helped me grow in my skill. But did you know that just as much as you need skill developed, you need your spiritual walk developed as well? You need someone to walk beside you and challenge you. Crazy fact most professional athletes, I did some research this past week, most professional athletes pay six figures for their personal trainer. Crazy. I looked up like LeBron, a couple of Derek Jeter, a couple of those guys, they pay seven figures to have someone that sees their blind spots and helps them improve. Let me ask you, when was the last time you had someone looking into your life and helping you improve in a blind spot? I'm not talking about your friend I'm not even talking about your spouse is great. They're going to help you see a lot of blind spots. Don't get me wrong. But someone a few steps ahead of you that can say, hey, I wouldn't do that. That that may not be the bad or the best idea. All through scripture, the word mentor is not mentioned. But did you know that it is a biblical principle? 
discipleship. It's becoming a learner. It's, it's learning from those around me. Eli mentored Samuel, Samuel to Saul, David to Solomon, Solomon to the queen of Sheba, Elijah to Elisha, Daniel to Ebenezer, Jesus to the disciples. Paul to Titus, it keeps going. Jethro, Moses, I could keep going and going and going. Moses literally didn't know if he kept up on the route he was going, it would kill him. And what Jethro steps in and says, hey, what you're doing is not good. The work for you is too heavy. You need to distribute the load amongst the people. And he says, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to end up spinning your wheels and you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to lose influence. What you're doing is not good. Can I ask you, when's the last time you heard someone tell you that? That you actually invited into your life to tell you that? Proverbs 12.1, it says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. But, everybody say but, with one T, but whoever hates correction is stupid. This is the Bible. I'm like, I like that. Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to who? To them. But the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail due to a lack of what? Some, some translations say wise counsel, because just so you know, all counsel is not good counsel. Can I get an amen? Facebook you need to be careful with, with everything, the advice you're given on Facebook or wherever, like wise counsel, but with many advisors, they what? They succeed. I, I, this is what I want. No matter how old you are, how young you are, we need a mentor. We need the mirror of myself. I need the mirror of a mentor. But here's the thing is that a mentor, you don't wake up one morning and stumble into mentorship. You, you need to empower and identify someone in your life. And it's important how you do this because when you find a good mentor, take my advice, don't waste their time. When you find a good mentor, lay out to them how you need help. The goals of this relationship, go to them, pursue them, drive them crazy with questions. I remember a lot of guys in college would ask for mentorship and, you know, it was this idea that I'm going to ask for help. But then it's like I had to track them down to actually mentor them. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't how this thing works. We have to seek it out. A few questions to consider about a mentor. Don't just ask anybody to speak into your life. A few questions. Do they have a life that I desire to have? Do, Do their beliefs and their values line up with what I believe or what I want to believe? Do they personally have someone mentoring them? I think we often forget this one. If you have a mentor that doesn't have anybody speaking into their life, be careful. How do they spend their time and their money and their attention? All this stuff is important. How is their relationship with God? Hear me. How is their relationship with their spouse? How is their relationship with their kids? The the mirror of myself, the mirror of a mentor, but most importantly, write this down. Number three, the mirror of God's word. This is the scripture we read earlier, James 1.22. I love this verse. Oh, my! it is so powerful. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does that mean? You can sit in church your whole life and you can hear the word of God and completely deceive yourself. It says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be what? Doers of the word. 
It says, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at their face in a mirror and after looking at themselves, they go away and they immediately forget what they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, there is no flaws in the Bible. Can I tell you, God didn't make mistakes with the word of God. We are living in a culture that is trying to change the word of God to fit what they think it needs to say. Can I tell you, it doesn't need an update like your phone. It is the word of God. It is God breathed. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. You could build your life on it. It says that when you look intently into the perfect law, it gives freedom and you continue in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it. And it says that they will be blessed in what they do. I saved the best mirror for last. Not last because it's least important, but I saved it for last because we so often go to this mirror last. Can I tell you God wants you to go to it first? Can I tell you the best way to evaluate yourself is looking into the word of God? Can I tell you the best way to find out who your friends should be, who your mentors should be, what your life should look like? Can you pick up the word of God? My goal, my prayer, and I have pleaded with God since I have arrived in Northwest Arkansas. My time with the Lord is that we would have a church that loves the word of God more than anything else. That we would give away more Bibles than anything else that people would wake up and crave the word. They would go to sleep and crave the word. At lunch, you ain't just eating lunch, you're eating the word. And it would begin to change you from the inside out. I remember when I first got saved, I got radically saved in college. I was jacked up, messed up from the chest up, as I tell you all the time. I was, I was so far from God. I got radically saved and God gave me a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm not perfect, but boy, let me tell you this. When I go to bed at night, I can't wait to get up in the morning and open the word. I'm not saying it's always sweet, it's always perfect. I'm tired sometimes, but y'all, I'm telling you, every night in college, people are staying up to study and, and do all this other stuff and party. I'm going to bed because it's like Christmas Eve, and you know what Christmas Eve is like. You can't wait to get up, snoop in them presents, open up a gift. It felt like that every morning I would wake up and open the gift of God's word and just say, God, I'm not leaving this place until joy hits my spirit. I had to do this this morning. I've been dealing with so much stuff. We, we, we got bad news about our family recently. Kendra's in Memphis right now. Her brother had a bad accident yesterday, went through the windshield of a tractor. But a lot is going on. I need the word of God. I need joy to hit my spirit. Can I get an amen? I need it. I want you to want it. I want you to need it. Y'all, I crave and desire the day that the church shows up and y'all could care less what I have to say because y'all been in it all week. And some of you ace this and you're knocking it out of the park. And this isn't to condemn anyone. I pray that the Holy Spirit would light a fire in you that no man could put out. I pray that he would move inside of you, develop a passion for righteousness, we need it. The world is falling apart. We need the word. It says in Psalm 139, I love this. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Can I tell y'all, 
when I pray this prayer and read this verse and plead this to God, he always shows me something that's offensive inside of me. And some people, when they read the word, they get offended. How could a God desire for me to change? He wants you to change because we are broken and sinful individuals. And by his love and his grace and him sending his son, Jesus, we get to walk in freedom. We get to walk in the grace. We get to walk in forgiveness. I always say this, and this may really challenge some people, but if you read the word of God and you're not provoked to be different than the world, you may not be reading it. Change. We we have to evaluate. We have to invite God to search us and to know us and to test us and to see if there's any offensive way in me. And then invite the Lord to lead you. Romans 12, 2, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How does that happen? Through the word. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Listen, if you don't have a leg to stand on, if you don't have a foundation to stand on, anything that's thrown your way, you'll believe it. Anything. The church is dealing with so much stuff right now. Anything that's thrown your way without discernment from the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you'll, you'll, you'll just, well, yeah, if it's, if it's there, it's true. I'll just believe, listen, we need the word. The mirror of the word will change your life. The mirror of myself, the mirror of a mentor, the mirror of the word of God, the holy God-breathed word. And listen, those three mirrors help you get past the last mirror. The last mirror is this, it's the mirror of my past. Has everybody got a past in here? I got one. (laughs) I can show you pictures. (laughs) We could have show and tell. (laughs) Some are graphic, you know. I've got a past. I I was extremely broken, I still am, but I was really messed up. God saved my life. He turned it around for good. The mirror of my past. Can I encourage you to stop staring in the rearview mirror? This is so cliche and cheesy, but it is so true. I meet with so many people and they are so laser focused on what was, they can't step in to what will be, what could be. I'm too messed up. I've done too much. I've said too much. I've looked at too much. I've hurt too many people. No, you have not. Would you let God do a work in you? to change you from the inside out, the mirror of my past. I struggled so bad when God called me to ministry. I was like, they're gonna find out I'm a, I'm a phony. I'm so messed up. I remember I was terrified. The first time I got asked to speak in a chapel at this private school I was at, I hid in the bathroom like a little kid. I made up an excuse. I got diarrhea. I can't speak. I'm serious. Lied through my teeth. And then I had to go up and preach and share my testimony. I was so scared. All of the reasons that I should be disqualified were the reasons that God is saying, I can use you. I I could trust you. Would you have integrity? Would you have character? I had to receive God's grace and move on. I had to receive that and realize that I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus to do good works for the kingdom of God. I had to realize that I'm created and God created in me a clean heart, a renewed spirit, a renewed mind. He completely removed a heart of stone and gave me a heart of flesh. He washed me and cleansed me with his word. 
I don't live in who I used to be. I don't even really want to go back there. I don't spend a lot of time talking about it. The time I spend talking about my past is to help identify and relate with people who are still there. Can I tell you, God has so much more for you. It does require change. It does require repentance, which is a turning from sin. But I've learned from my past. I've learned from my past, but I've learned not to live in my past. Some of you this morning, you you constantly discredit what God wants to do in you because what you've already done. And I just believe this is an encouragement for somebody literally last night as you went to bed, you're thinking, I can't go to church. I can't worship. I can't lift my hands. I'm a hypocrite. I just did this. I just thought about this. I just said, listen, can I tell you, God wants to wash you with his word. He wants you to receive the grace of God. He wants you to walk in the truth of the gospel. This is the mirror that can radically change your life. Can we do ourselves a favor today? Hey, everybody look at me. Stop focusing on the past. Put it behind you. Allow God to forgive you. And let's step into who God's called us to be. Can we do that? Let's step into who God's called us to be. I love this verse, Philippians 3. 13 through 14, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal, the goal to, to, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I've got the mirror of myself I've got the mirror of a mentor, someone who's further ahead. There are people sitting in these seats right now, I could name names right now, that I have already asked since the first week I moved here, will you speak into my life? Will you watch me? Will you make sure I don't make a fool of myself? If I ever cross a line, will you tell me? If I'm inappropriate from stage, will you pull me aside? If I, I know what I'm capable of doing. Would you empower a mentor in your life? And then the mirror of God's word. And then ultimately, we have those three mirrors to help us get past the mirror of our past. If you would, would you stand to your feet across the room? I wanna pray over you. I just believe God is moving in this place. Isaiah says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a what? A new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God, I pray right now by the power of your spirit, that you would begin to radically change us from the inside out, that we would be so quick to evaluate ourselves, that we would be very slow to evaluate other people, that we would check the log in our own eye before the speck in someone else's. God, I pray that a holy discontent rises up in this church, that we won't settle for what is, we want what could be. We want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray that we hunger and we thirst for righteousness, God, that we build our families on the firm foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ in his word and the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would lead us. God, lead us. We need help. I need help. I need so much help. God, give us help today. We cry out to you and we say, God, would you lead our lives? I pray for the person that's in this room right now, as all heads are bowed, eyes are closed, that is someone is discouraged. They feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. 
God, would you give them the courage to just give it another shot, to take another step in faith, God? I pray that we would look into these four mirrors and that we would evaluate ourselves and ultimately, God, that we would become more like you. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.